My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Our Sunday School. And uh, two things before we get started. One, uh, isn't this awesome? Uh, this is uh, the handiwork of Doug Skinner, uh, and just, I think, a spectacular gift. Uh, so um, if you get a chance to see him today, he's actually, I think, running sound this morning, so literally make a trip upstairs, pat him on the back and say, thank you for using your gifts for the Lord. Um, this is something I've been wanting for a while, uh, and uh, actually three things this morning. Uh, two is if you look at your weekly update, in the upper left-hand corner, you'll see uh, a couple of things. Uh, one is uh, today's lesson as far as our schedule, next week's lesson, March the 4th's lesson, and then what's the week thing after March the 4th? Nope. March the 4th, the second thing on March the 4th is our 10-year anniversary in this room. Uh, it'll be 10 years since uh, we started this particular class here at the Hickson campus, so uh, I am very thrilled about that as well um, and have hated the tiny little uh, lectern that I have been using for 10 solid years. Uh, so uh, Doug and I were talking about that uh, maybe a year or so ago, and he said, well, I think I can fix that. I said, well, why don't you fix that? And he did. So I'm, I'm thrilled. I got all my stuff. I got plenty of room. This is like just fantastic. So my happy place here. It smells amazing too, so... There's enough lacquer coming off of this thing right now that I'll, like, we're, I'm in good shape. I'm in good shape, I promise. It's, yeah, I can only imagine. Darla's been giving me play-by-play -play on the construction, and, yeah. They have no bugs in their home ever again. It's been fully fumigated forever. Uh, and then the third thing, thank you so much for your prayers. Uh, I am much better today. So I had my uh, bilateral epidural on Monday morning. Yes, I know. She freaks out when I'm doing that. So. I'll be winded here in a minute because I haven't exercised in, well, a long time. But uh, it's, it's much, much better. Uh, so thank you for your prayers there. And I would appreciate you continue to do so. So um, there's that. So that's the introductory stuff. Let's jump into Second Thessalonians. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and head over there. If you want to follow along with us uh, electronically, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com uh, and go to the Read tab. And then the links are over here on the left for today's lesson. Uh, and today we're looking at uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, 3 through 12. So we'll go ahead and read uh, 1 through 12, and then we'll jump into the lesson. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, since it's a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, 
taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's chapter 1 of Second Thessalonians. So let's go ahead and uh, jump in. The first question on your handout there. You notice it's, it's not a four-page handout today. It's a three-page handout, so there's still a staple, but it's, it's a three-page handout. So, so any uh, literary or structural observations? So last week, we did kind of the, the salutation and the greeting, and then what do we get into today? There's some Thanksgiving there, right? What else is he doing? There's praying, right? What's he not doing that we just heard, that we hear right now, actually? He's not crying at him about something, right? He's, uh, he's going to get to that. Like, that's, that's coming. Uh, but is, as is typical in a lot of Paul's letters, he starts with a tremendous amount of encouragement, of support. Uh, he actually tells them, you know, we're, we're boasting or bragging about you among the churches of God. And Paul would have been traveling a lot of different places, talking to a lot of different people. So they are the poster children for some particular thing, and that's what we want to look at as we go through today's lesson. So let's look at a couple of things. What do the words mean? Uh, so we are bound to thank. Uh, now, as opposed to making you write this entire Greek word, I just wanted you to write the part that I think is the, kind of the root critical part here. Uh, eucharisto, uh, C-H-A-R-I-S, charis. You remember what charis means? Grace. It means grace. That's right. So it means uh, to be grateful, to express gratitude, to say grace at a meal. Uh, how many of you grew up in a church where the Lord's Supper was called something other than the Lord's Supper? Anybody? What was it called? Communion? Anybody else? The Eucharist. That's right. Uh, and that's what this, this, literally it's like Eucharisto. This is the verb form of the Eucharist. And it's, it's saying grace at a meal. So the, the prayer that you pray before you eat is this word. Like, that's the word. So if you think about, in that context, we are bound to thank God always for you. That word always may just be when Paul ate. So when he sat down and ate, this was a I'm thanking God for this particular group of believers at Thessalonica, which is pretty fantastic. It's nice to know that somebody is praying for you. And I will tell you my own little personal story from this week. Uh, those of you that know me or have been in this class for a few months at least know that I do not have an affinity for any type of surgical anything. Uh, I don't like to talk about I'm going to use generic terms as I talk about it, lest I pass out. Uh, but as I was in preparation Monday morning for these two shots that they gave me in my spot, I just, I'm not going to say that. Um, they had to give me, thank you. Oh, you're here. Yes, thank you so much. Um, they had to give me a shot right here. What's the... They to give me an IV. And, like, I, I may have almost passed out at the IV. Um, I kind of feel like I'm getting pale talking about it. <laughs> Emma? Okay. 
the, I, I have something sturdy to lean on. This is fantastic. I love it. Uh, so I had two nurses taking care of me. I don't remember their names, but I should absolutely have written them down so I could send them multiple thank you notes. Uh, they both walked by, and one of them said, oh, no, no, no. How you feeling? And I said, I, not so great. She said, all the color is gone. I said, well, I don't, I don't have a lot of color to begin with. And she said, well, well you, <laughs> you have none now. I was like, okay, all right. So I said, what can, what can we do? She said, oh, my friends, just a second. So they put the wet, uh, cold rag behind my neck and in front of on my forehead and they're fanning and and I instantly had flashbacks to taking care of the kids when they were in the middle of somebody get up and they'd throw up everywhere right and then you got to get them calmed because you don't want to put them back in bed and they're going to throw up everywhere else again and all this drama and I thought they are treating me like a four-year-old that is fantastic and I and then it took about five more seconds to get there to realize that's because I'm kind of acting like a four-year-old because I about passed out at the IV so um but once they got that going, then I met the gentleman that said, I'm going to help you take a great nap. And I didn't. The next thing I remember, there's a wonderful man that was wheeling me in a wheelchair. And I said, like, we've changed rooms. And he said, yes, yes, we have. Uh, so that was, it was, it was very, very helpful. Um, but to know that people are praying for me, uh, the nurses had to, uh, warned me more than once to stop texting on my phone because I was responding to so many of you who had said, hey, we're praying for you. Uh, and I told them what they could do with their request to put my phone away because I was going to thank all the people that were praying for me. So uh, I did so relatively kindly, but they didn't ask again. So um, there was that. So to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting. Uh, that was me. I bumped the mic. Uh, brethren, as it is fitting, uh, this word means it's suitable, it's, it's meat, it's worthy, because your faith, your peace grows exceedingly. And the love, the agape love of every one of you all abounds. Now, we started our study in 2 Thessalonians, and we, I, I intentionally, purposefully did not do something that most people who study the book of 2 Thessalonians would do. I intentionally did not uh, go back and review First Thessalonians, because I wanted to kind of hit this as it came up. So flip over to First Thessalonians. It literally should be like two pages back in your Bibles. First Thessalonians chapter 3, specifically verse 12. And I want to show you what Paul prayed for them in the first letter. So what did he pray for them in the first letter? What's 3.12 say? So he's praying for their love to increase and overflow and abound for each other. And in verse 3, we're bound to thank, this is chapter 1 of 2 Thessalonians, we're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds. Check. <laughs> like, this is, your dad gave you an assignment, and then he brags on you in public about it. And you're like, yes, all right, this is winning, right? It's exactly what... He asked them, or he prayed for them to do, uh, which I think is beautiful because God answers prayer. Uh, so let's pray for each other. So verse 4, so that we ourselves, so who's the we there? Who's the, who's the we there? Paul and Silvanus. And what's another name for Silvanus? Anybody know? Silas, yes. 
I kept waiting for somebody last week to say, you know that's Silas, right? Yeah, did you? I didn't hear you. Oh, okay. I knew somebody would. I was like, come on, really? Talk about Sylvanus and who he is, and he shows up. Silas shows up all over the place, right? It's this fool that was in prison with Paul when they were, he's not a fool. This guy that was in prison with Paul and they were doing what? They, they were singing. Like, in a, in a Roman prison, you're going to sing. What about their circumstances? We'll talk a little bit about that here in just a second. So that we, Paul and Silas and Timothy, boast, this is the glory or rejoice of you among the churches. Now, there's something different about this word churches in verse 4 and verse 1, the use of the word church. So tell me, somebody look at the words, the word church in verse 1 and churches in verse 4, and tell me what's different. Like literally, you can see it in English. Yeah, there's an S in verse 4. It's not complicated, right? It's plural in verse 4, and it's singular in verse 1. So the ecclesia in verse 1 and the ecclesias, uh, was not an S in Greek, but the, the plural in the churches in verse 4. So he's, he's talking, and he doesn't put any bounds on this. It could be, he could have been talking about any church that he ever went to in this period of time. So among the churches of God for your patience, and this is uh, endurance or constancy, this is the ability to to just keep uh, enduring and your faith in all your, and that's a plural your, persecutions and tribulations. Now, um, I want to talk about just for a second about the persecutions and tribulations because if you look at the tribulations, it's pressure, it's afflicted, it's anguish, it's burdened, persecution, tribulation, troubles. But it's, the basic idea here is pressure. So, um, Skip, can you help me out for a second? And Josh, can you help me out for a second? I did not call on Tweedledee and Tweedledum up here because you guys would crush me. Um, <laughs> so I would just like for you to apply pressure. Just avoid the lower back area. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so just a little, a little bit more. There you go, that's good. Um, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith. What's the next word? Verse 4. Patience and faith. What's the next word? In. Right here. In this. Not in a comfortable spot. Not in a, everything's wonderful. Not in a, I'm Netflix on Saturday and everything's great. Like, in the persecution, in the tribulation, you do what? You endure. Now, I'll give you your next blank. It means to hold oneself up against. Does it mean to war against? No. To hold oneself up against. I am enduring right now. Like, that's it. This is not a, I pick up the the battle axe, and I start swing. Nope, I just endure. Now, it's, it's going to get old because the, there's no indication here that the pressure or the tribulation is ever going to stop. Like ever. So I hope you guys are like had your Wheaties this morning and you're good to go. But the call here is to endure. Now, the only problem with this is I didn't exactly give you the right example because what kind of your is that in verse 4? It's plural. Okay. Zeke, come here. Mike, come here. All right. Ease up, guys. Y'all come up here with me. 
So we're going to be back to back to back. So there you go. That works. Apply pressure, please. This is what it really is talking about. Your persecutions. Multiple of you in this pressure together. And you know what? I like this better than being up here by myself. Because if I get tired, you know what Zeke's going to do? He's not going to let me hit the floor. <laughs> He's going to help. We're going to endure together. And that's a good thing. So, thank you guys. All right. Does this make sense? I want, you to, I want you to physically see that this is not about, oh, I'm on an island by myself and everything's awful and... I'm having all kinds of trouble here. Let's give it a little more slack. There we go. That's better. All right. I want you to physically see that this is not an island of ourselves, but it's to hold oneself up against, to put up with. Boy, do we have a society? I'm not going to be that broad. I don't like to put up with things. Let me just be really blunt. I like things to be comfortable. I don't like to suffer. So what did he brag on them about in verse 3? Their faith grows exceedingly and their love abounds toward each other. Right? So that they boast among the churches of God for your patience and faith in your persecution and tribulation. They were not abandoning the faith. They were not becoming impatient in the middle of these persecutions and tribulations. And then verse 5 is this really weird verse which is manifest evidence or this manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. You're like, wait, 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 wait. So the, the, the endurance is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment or accusation or condemnation of God. That you may be counted worthy, that you may be deemed entirely deserving of the kingdom or the, the royalty of God for which you also suffer. And that next blank there is to feel. To feel. There is real emotional pain here. Uh, a couple of the resources that I've been uh, working through as part of this series, the first one here is the first and second, Thessalo third, first and second epistles to the Thessalonians. This is Morris. Um, he wrote this back in the 60s, but they've revised it and updated it in the early 90s. He said, suffering is often the means of working out God's eternal purpose. These believers must live out their lives and develop their Christian character in a world dominated by non-Christian ideas. Their faith is accordingly not some fragile thing to be kept in a kind of spiritual cotton wool, insulated from all shocks. It is robust. It is to be manifested in the fires of trouble and in the furnace of affliction. Furthermore, it is not only to be manifested there, but in part at any rate, it is to be fashioned in such places. The very troubles and afflictions that the world heaps on believers become, under God, the means of making those believers what they ought to be. And when we have come to regard suffering in this light, it is not to be thought of as evidence that God has forsaken his people, but as evidence that God is with them. So please let us be careful how we speak of suffering for Jesus Christ. It is not a, woe is me, God has abandoned me. It is, this is evidence that God is with us. And, and this particular suffering, we think from the context here, is very much about the gospel and the spread of the gospel. It is not a, uh, oh, something negative happened to me and 
woe is me, the world is bad. It is, this is something theologically related here. And then he goes into verse 6, and now we kind of, this whole passage is about his encouragement. In verse 6, he continues this, since it is a righteous thing, the same word verse in, in verse 5, diakos, with God to repay or, or recompense with tribulation those who trouble you. And that word trouble is to, to crowd or afflict. Uh, and it, that's what the guys were doing a while ago, right? They were crowding us. So think about, think about groups of people pushing in and pushing up against a smaller group in the middle. Uh, I'm going to give you a visual that you will probably not believe. Uh, but when I was in college, I went to several different concerts. And I went to one where there was a thing called a mosh pit. <clears throat> I did not know what a mosh pit was. And the guy that I was with said, hey, you want to go get in the mosh pit? And I said, sure, okay. I did not enjoy the mosh pit. Um, it was the waiting that was the group. And we were at a very small uh, independent Baptist church. And this very loud Christian rock band had taken over their sanctuary and had put up stacked speakers about 10 feet high on either side and all kinds of colored lights. And they were about to fire up the smoke machine when I saw the guy that I later found out was the chairman of Deacons uh, make his way. He's like, no, 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 no. We're not, we're not going to do this. Uh, no smoke in the sanctuary. <laughs> I was like, that was awesome. So we go, we have the concert, and uh, I had to use the restroom, so I made my way out of the mosh pit and into the lobby, and the deacons were having a meeting in the lobby as to whether or not they should stop the concert or not. And they said, what is all that jumping down front? And I said, well, I'm, I just learned this today. This is a mosh pit. And, uh, well, what's that about? Well, you, you, you jump around, and you sing, and, and I, you, you get bumped into a lot, and I don't, I don't know that I really enjoy it, but it's, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. And they said, well, we're going to ban mosh pits. And I was like, well, let this one go and ban the next one. Let me, let me just tell you that. But this is the only thing that, this is my awful story, right? It's a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble, those who crowd, those who narrow, those who throng you, and give you who are troubled rest or relief, ease, liberty, relaxation with us. Now, this is not this is not a break from the pressure. This is a rest from the pressure. You see the difference? When the Lord Jesus is revealed. All right. So when I see the word apocalypsis, y'all tell me what I'm about to do. What are we about to do? Apocalypsis. It's Superman, right? This is Clark Kent walking around pretending not to be somebody that he really is. The apocalypsis is actually the, the word for revelation. Uh, and this is the manifestation. So when the Lord Jesus is revealed. So let's go back, let's go back in time just a bit. So before the... Before God spoke the, the universe into existence. So we're, we're like back here. Okay? So before time. 
there's Father, there's Son, and there's Spirit, right? Everybody good with me there? There's Father, Son, Spirit right here. So God speaks the world into existence, and the Father engages in some way with Adam in the life-breathing aspect into Adam. The Spirit hovers over the water and life springs forth. Jesus Christ shows up multiple times in the Old Testament in these pre-incarnate uh, manifestations. And then a couple of thousand, few thousand years later, Jesus Christ wraps himself in flesh and comes to earth, the enfleshment of God, lives a very short period, dies, is resurrected, and then goes to be with his Father at the right hand, right? Still in the flesh. He comes back one day, and when he comes back one day, I think he will still have flesh, but there will be a revealing of who he truly is in a way that he had not done before while he was on the earth in a common way. Now, if you remember back to the giving of the Ten Commandments, so we're about right here in history, okay? The giving of the Ten Commandments, Moses goes up on the mountain, and he meets with who? He meets with God. And do the people enjoy this? No. What happens to the people? They lose their ever-loving minds, right? And Aaron exclaims, oh, it's a miracle. The calf jumped out of the fire, and you know, this is awful. And the people crowded the mountain, and what happened to the people? They died. You know how many of them died? 3,000 people died because they got too close to the holiness of God. And you don't do that. That is bad. You get too close to the holiness of God, you die. There has to be an intermediary. Oh, isn't this wonderful? One shows up about 1,500 years later. This is good. Jesus shows up. He is now the intermediary. When Jesus dies on the cross, the old sacrificial system of the Old Testament, the veil is torn. We've moved away from that period of history. We have now moved into the period of history where Christ's resurrection, death and resurrection is past tense, and we can look back on that. So we're in this gap right now until Jesus comes back, right? We're before the... But not yet. Sorry, I have to every time. It's just a sickness. I apologize. It's not theological at all. There will not be that sound. Well, I don't know. I'm not there, but it will not be that sound. But when Jesus comes back, look at the description of what it looks like. So when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven, so we're, what's the, the physical position? Like up, all right? With his mighty angels. You know what the word for mighty is? Dunamis, yes. So this miraculous, powerful angels in what? Flaming fire. Now, that's crazy talk. <laughs> okay, because it almost sounds like he's wearing fire. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to mess with anybody that's wearing fire. Okay? And he's taking vengeance, and this is retribution or punishment. And remember, who's Paul talking to? Paul's talking to people who are being pressed and afflicted and pushed and tribulation and he's saying, Jesus is going to come and he is going to take vengeance. 
So if Paul is saying Jesus is going to come and going to take vengeance, who is he indirectly saying should not take vengeance? The Thessalonians, right. Absolutely. He's going to take vengeance on those who do not know. This is the perfect active participle. So this apocalypsis is going to reveal him in his glory in a way that we have we here have not seen. But on those who do not know, that perfect tense means completed action in the past with the results continuing. So you may say, well, well, it doesn't matter if I believe the gospel or not. Absolutely it does. You do not know God. At some point in the past, those actions continue. Those results from that lack of belief will continue into whatever future period you want to move to. That past matters relative to the gospel. On those who do not know God and on those who do not obey or to listen attentively or, or heed or conform. So I want you to go over to Isaiah 66, 4 and 66, 15 real quick. One of the reasons I like to read um, really well-written technical works, uh, this is a fantastic one, Gordon Fee, uh, is that some of these people that write these books have like books of the Bible memorized, and when they read the other parts of the Bible, it goes, hey, that sounds like something I've read before, and I, I bet there's a connection there, and oh yeah, there actually is. So Isaiah 66, 4, who's got it? See? Harsh truth on them. Is that what it was? Harsh what? Harsh treatment on them. What about Isaiah 66, 15? Yep. For behold, the Lord will come. Whoa, who, who, who will come? The Lord. Well, no, hang on. Tell me out. Tell me exactly what you see with that word Lord. Okay. Just making sure. And we've studied this word before, right? That's the word... Jehovah, right? This is the Tetragrammaton. This is the holy name of God that's unutterable, right? Okay, so the Lord will what? Come in fire. Huh. Keep going. And his chariots, like the whirlwind, surrender his anger and fury, and his rebuke with flames of fire. So. The Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven and with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who don't know God and those who don't obey God. Huh. That's interesting. So who did Paul think Jesus was? He thought he was God. Absolutely. Very much so. Hmm. Well, that's good. I'm glad Paul's theology was right. Because he is God. <laughs> and he is coming. And it's going to be fiery. And it's going to, have, like Isaiah tells us, it's going to have chariots. And I, I don't know how you get chariots in the sky. That's like a really bad country song. But it's, it's there, so there's that, right? All right, sorry. That was... <laughs> I feel so much better, okay? <laughs> She's like rolling her eyes at me today. 
All right, so don't, don't miss the fleshing out of the Old Testament prophecy in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a big chunk of the New Testament. So those who do not obey the gospel, the good message, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I, when I read this section, I feel like I'm having flashbacks to Romans 1, right? It, without excuse, and it's about this, and you can't get around it, and it's just, there's no, it's, it's just bulletproof, right? So verse 9, there shall be, uh, these shall be punished or judged with everlasting destruction. And there's been all sorts of really bad theology that's come from a misunderstanding of this little phrase, everlasting destruction. Um, I don't have time to give you a math lesson, but the, the basic principle here is this is not an uh, annihilation of individuals or their souls. That is not what is taking place here. This is everlasting. Whatever is occurring is going to occur for everlasting and destruction. So, I don't, I don't want to be destroyed for everlasting. This sounds horrible, right? Uh, from the presence or from the face of the Lord, because who could stand face to face with God? No one can stand face to face with God. Oh, except Jesus. <laughs> we, again, we have that mediator. It's fantastic. And from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day, see the day's capital? to be glorified in his saints. So there is something that he, he, he has given glory from us and to be admired. All right, here you go. It means to admire, to have in admiration, to marvel, or to wonder. To marvel. There we go. Thank you. All right. Go see Black Panther. It's fantastic. All right. I saw it yesterday. Uh, I had never thought about the name of the studio, though, being the thing that they are trying to do. They are trying to marvel you with what is going on. And they want you to go, wow, that was incredible. But Jesus is going to be admired among all those who believe. We will, on this side of all of that, Look, we look back now and see like a little bit of what went on. But when we're on this side of the return, we will look and we will go, oh, did not fully understand everything that was going on there. We will marvel at the whole of how it worked together for the end. And, and I am thoroughly convinced we do not have the mental capacity to even take this in. So to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony, our uh, martyrion, our witness among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray or supplicate always for you that our God would count you worthy, that you would be counted good, of this calling or invitation and fulfill. This is the word for cram a net, to make replete or cram a net. And it's in the subjunctive, which means uh, it's a possibility. It's a good possibility, but it's not a guarantee. We count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure or the satisfaction or the delight of his goodness and the work, the ergon of faith, with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be 
glorified. And I encourage you to look at Isaiah 66, 5 uh, as well. In you and you in him, according to the grace or the, the benefit or the favor of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so I've got to put it in high gear real quick. So any repeated words? Do you feel like you and your showed up a lot? Yeah, 16 times in, was it 10 verses? That's a lot. That's a lot of very direct, plain speech. God shows up eight times. So I want you to think about, I told you that this text is an encouragement to these particular believers. I would challenge us when we speak to each other in attempts to encourage each other that we do not focus on each other, but we focus on God and his faithfulness because that is what will actually encourage. Because I know me and I'm going to fail, but God is not going to. So he talks about how God has called them, how God has going to... Uh, applied judgment and justice appropriately, how we are going to marvel at all of this, and how we can have grace uh, through Jesus Christ with this. It's just stunningly beautiful. All right, so what's the point? Uh, number one, God is due thanks. Uh, so what do we do with that? Uh, I would say thank God for believers in their presence. Um, I, I have a tendency, and I don't think it's very biblical, to say... Thank you, Mitch, for being here today. And, and while that's a true statement, something better might be, Mitch, I thank God that you're here today. You see this? Because now I'm acknowledging the one who gave Mitch the power to actually show up today, which is, oh, okay. And if you, if you read through Paul's letters, you will find he very, very rarely thanks anybody directly. He thanks God for the person. So thank God for believers, but do it in their presence. He wrote them a letter so that they had it and they knew it. And this is encouraging. Uh, number two, I would say pressure is coming. So endure. Uh, and I would say together is better. Right? Get some friends. Maybe something called church. The ecclesia, the gathering. Uh, application number three, God is just. So trust his judgment. Let's resist the urge to take uh, the, the gavel of judgment in our hands and to act rashly. Remember, God thinks um, he created time so he can, <laughs> can operate outside of it and into it in a way that we do not understand because we're trapped in it. So let's just trust his judgment of all things because... He's already told us it's good and right and holy and that we're going to stand amazed and sing his praises. So let's do that. Uh, Christ's return is a comfort. Uh, so do not fear revelation. I used to not like the book of Revelation. I was like, man, that's really scary. Until I realized I'm on the winning side. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's okay. And then uh, God desires pleasure in us in Christ. There's a whole lot in that little phrase right there. So I would say, number five, pray for fulfilling of God's pleasure in us. That's what Paul prayed for them. He prayed that they, they would be crammed full, um, and that was a good thing. And this is not a... So I want to be really careful and draw a distinction. 
This is, Paul did not pray for them to work really, really hard to secure their salvation. That is not what Paul prayed for them. Paul prayed for them that God would work through them to do the work that God has called them to do. You see this? There's a, a big difference. One is very, oh, it's me-centered. Make me strong. So No, 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 no. God, I'm asking you to do the work through this particular group. It's a, it's a works powered by the Spirit salvation. It's a beautiful thing. All right, so you've got your homework there. Uh, ask the Holy Spirit for help. Read next week's text. Uh, next week's text is chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, the great apostasy. Uh, so if you like end time stuff, next week is all about it. If you don't like end time stuff, next week is one week of it. Um, talk to someone about the text. Uh, you can do that on the Facebook uh, page here. Uh, and then if you want to keep up with what we're doing, uh, you can subscribe to the our Sunday school stuff. Now, you've got an extra credit assignment there. And your extra credit assignment is to go back and read First Thessalonians and see the spots where Paul prayed or asked them to do something in 1 Thessalonians that actually shows up in 2 Thessalonians. Now, there's some things that he asked them to do in 1 Thessalonians that they do, and he brags on them for. And there's some stuff that he talks to them about in 1 Thessalonians that he has to talk to them again in 2 Thessalonians because they're just hard-headed and they didn't get it. So there's, there's some of that in there as well. So if you will uh, take a couple minutes at your tables and go through the weekly update, uh, pray as a table. And uh, after you have prayed as a table, you are dismissed. Thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.